0: Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. We're continuing where we left off with the thought of the week and prayer.
1: Uh, I have the thought of the week: Truth versus entertainment. I guess the first question should be: How truth? How can truth compare with entertainment? Well, it should. However, let's investigate it a bit. Some may have a view, have this view because of the way the Word of God is presented. My early church experience may help you understand. Church was like an assembling of a great show. There was instrumental, inspirational music, poetry, and emotional speeches, which all accumulated in the climax of the minister's sermon. Of course, the minister couldn't carefully teach with the crescendo of emotion. They had to bring it home with the same enthusiasm. Everyone was supposed to leave with a great feeling of encouragement, persistence, and endurance for the week ahead. Now I realize I am not the standard for the church service propriety. But when parishioners begin to judge truth based on their positive or negative church experiences, then we have a problem. Truth stands apart from positive or negative experiences. I am not against entertainment. I love good gospel music. I truly feel music has a place in, min- in the ministry, but we should know the type of music you like is reflected, reflective of your culture and experience. When absolute truth is mixed with relative experience, the truth suffers. Understand that music, worship styles, or personalities do not define truth. God has believers in every nation To our call to unity is not our music, dance, and style of worship. It is the familiar ring of truth from the spirit of truth. For some, it is the presentation. For some, if the presentation is not annotation, I mean, entertaining or emotionally stimulating it will be rejected or foreign as foreign to their experience in God the apostle, the apostle Paul said in the last days some will be lovers of pleasure, pleasure rather than lovers of God that's found in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 4 further some would not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they would uh, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears what their itching ears want to hear. It found in Second Timothy, verse four, chapter three. So, as as a small uh, amount of commentary to this. Uh, you know, I think that um, music, I also like gospel music, but if we think about it, uh, you know, Christ believers are in every nation all over the world. And in, in Japan, for instance, I was in Japan, uh, the music uh, that they listen to secular, secularly, in other words, for entertainment, not even spiritual, is not generally the music that I even care for when I was over there. So this is, and spiritually, uh, what would stimulate them certainly would not, the music we're talking about, would not stimulate me. So uh, we have to rem- remember that the spirit of truth communicates its truth in any language, and, and communicate and reach the believer wherever their music is but it's the spirit of truth and the, his word is truth that's important i'm going to turn this service over to White for prayer thank you very much brad
2: and i will uh, pray for all of us our, our families as well um would just like to pause and see if anybody has any specific to request beyond that. All right, well, let me continue then. Um, God certainly knows what is on our hearts and minds, even before the words come out of our mouths. Let us bow our heads. Uh, dear Father, thank you so much for What is Truth Christian Church and the Facility that you have enabled us to connect miles and miles apart and share in the teaching that you have for us. We give you our time, our focus and attention and our humility and you reward us greatly, more than we could ever imagine. I pray for what is Truth Church and that we can continue in that passion. And that we continue to have the eyes our eyes open, the eyes of our hearts open to hear the truth and understand the inheritance that we have in Christ. I also pray for the church worldwide, the believers, uh, the body of Christ, in whatever state they may be in, that they also may continue to grow and and be protected in this battlefield. And I know that we don't, uh, we're not asking for worldly comforts, although I admit I often entertain that idea. Um, But I pray more earnestly that our focus would be on your focus and your plan, the grand scheme. For we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. We are your own son, as a matter of fact. So let us cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, in being humble and absorbing all of these words that you have for us and understanding what is on your mind, for we have the mind of Christ in us. I pray that we can have the proper focus and motivation and all humility to hear whatever the spirit says to the church. And I pray that you can now give Doug those words and those boldness to speak to us about the gospel and the mystery of the gospel of Christ that comes through the simple gospel. And I pray for all our welfare and our, our safety in this battlefield. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Dwight and Fred. Appreciate that. Um, so we are in uh, our notes, these long notes which uh, uh, we have the scripture before us, John 16 and 13. And I, didn't, I know I didn't remember to say what the day was. Today is 6-6-2021. But the scripture of John sixteen thirteen, says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Uh, Today, many are talking about the Holy Spirit, and rightfully so. He makes a tremendous difference in our lives today. If we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, we should begin with what our Lord said about him. To me, what Jesus says guides my thinking on what this new age is all about and what what would be the Spirit's role. I think we have far more information than we think, and there should be no ignorance on how the Spirit works. That would be in an ideal world. However, that is not the case. The Spirit of Truth is mixed up with emotion and fanaticism. And to that extent, many are far from what Jesus told us about the Spirit. Let us take our time with these very precious words of our Lord. So we have gone through, and if I try to go through this again, we're going to come up with more time. We're going to skip today, all the way down to where we left off in our last study. So this would be uh, point number three, where into all truth, we're going to pick up at point number I, there which is all the truth verses and when I say verses and you're gonna we're gonna come up with different thoughts here tradition e- entertainment emotion and so forth Th- these things get in the way of this all truth this all the truth that is Jesus is saying we have to put aside a lot of these things so let's just I know we We did talk about tradition, but just we'll we'll review from this standpoint. So point one is all truth versus tradition. With strained and wrinkled brows, we all struggle with the theology of truth compared to tradition. When I say we all, I really mean that. Because truth is hitting us squarely about what we think is reasonable, what is humanly possible, based on our understanding of not only tradition, where we come from, our experience in the world, what seems reasonable to us, what doesn't. All of us have that. So we have securely tied our emotions to to our precious traditional norms and standards. So not only do we think that we know what truth is, or we know what is and what is not possible, we are emotional. We can be emotional about it. We are sure that this is what it is. There are many smart people in this world they're smart according to their standards and the world's standards, maybe, but not necessarily according to god's standards. So we have to separate truth from tradition, and how do we do that because it's so ingrained and intertwined in our lives. How do we do it we We have to allow God to renew our minds. This is part of stop being conformed to the patterns of this world. The patterns of this world are ruled by many different peoples and traditions, of which we also are in that mix. So we have to know that where we came from isn't as important as where we're going. That's the key. We don't want to keep the focus on where we came from. We want to keep the focus on where we're going. And we don't know exactly where we're going. The Holy Spirit is leading, and he's leading in an area where eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. So what do we need? We need humility most of all. So Jesus said in Matthew 15:9, and we have John 3:9 as well, Nicodemus' response, how can these things be? That is how we see a lot of what Jesus says when it comes to this age. How can this be? Well, God explains it, thank God. Because we we would be at a lack of understanding and words for what God has shown us here. Point two, entertainment. So it's all the truth versus entertainment. So part of uh, the thought of the week had some of this in it. Worship styles, personalities do not define truth. I know, you know, the way it is now with this sweeping praise God movement in the world that everybody thinks it's just praising God and just, you know, getting into this spiritual trance and all of that is the way that God wants us to be, you know. But that doesn't define, what if a person is not fixed along those lines? What if that's not how they were raised to experience those emotions or to express those emotions? Does that mean that you automatically have to say, no, they're not spiritual? No. The standard of spirituality is not those worship styles. That's. I'm simply rejecting that idea. No, it's not that. And that does not define truth. God has believers in every nation, and our call to unity is not our music, dance, or style of worship. That is the deal. Uh, we, we are not all marching to the same drumbeat when it comes to music entertainment, worship styles. But we are marching to the same drumbeat when, drumbeat when it comes to truth, the spirit of truth. He's going to illuminate, illuminate the scriptures to us and it doesn't matter where you come from but you but you have to set aside those things that could get in the way right that that's important right? some people for some people entertainment all that music and worship and all that is everything it is not everything point number 3 emotion right so all truth all the truth versus emotion and emotion is tied to you know all those things uh, truth must be apprehended by faith Faith requires that we look away from ourselves to something else. Now, obviously, when it comes to growing in grace, it is not the person of Christ that we look to, it is the mind of Christ, the thinking of Christ. So we have to look away from our thinking, our traditional norms and standards, our way we thought it should be and seems right to us, to what God is telling us. And the spirit of truth is the one who illuminates that information so it makes it real to our soul. So it's apprehended by faith. It's not we're going to feel something, right? It's, no, it's not going to be some emotional tie to it. All of a sudden, as soon as God said it, bing, some, some emotional trigger goes off and you say, now I know that's true. Usually people have that when somebody says something that they agree with. They agree with it, it's something they already believe, they like, yep, that's truth. I, I believe the same thing. Amen. Right? But that is not necessarily the test for truth if, if it's something you already have believed. That's not that's not how you determine what truth is. And I, I can tell you I've talked to people and said things and I've seen their brows wrinkle up. And they're just like Nicodemus, how can this be? Well, you're reading it right there in the scriptures, but the person's still saying, How can this be? Why are their brow wrinkling? Why is their brow wrinkling up? It's because it goes against their theology, their tradition, what is firmly believed in their heart. So emotionally, they react to that because emotion is tied. Well, how come, why do they believe those things? Have they tested them? Have they proved them? hold on fast to that which is good no I don't think they've done that what they've done is they've grown up in those things always believe they, they, they could tell you my grandmother believed this my mother believed this my daddy believed this uncle so and so got me into faith he's the most spiritual man I know and he believes it so it's got to be true so, so we again we use our limited experience to judge God and that's wrong so emotion can't. It, it, emotion is its own confirmation and can feel right, seem right, but be drastically wrong. We have to be careful about using our emotions to judge the word of God. And I, there's a warning in Romans 16:17 through 18, which you should be aware of, where it says, "Mark those who cause division and and teach things that are contrary to what you have learned." Notice what the focus is: teaching. What you have learned, right? The spirit of truth is the one who illuminated those things in your heart. But what competes against it? Emotion. So be careful. Read the Romans sixteen seventeen through 18 passage for yourself. And then point number four. This is where we haven't really talked about. So we'll really pick up here. So all the truth versus man. Okay. So the scriptures, or which is God's perspective, declare that man is incapable of determining truth because of the bad news. Now, we we talk about that a lot here. In this, When I say here, I mean in this church. Because we learn the bad news, but we don't forget it. We have to build on what the bad news is. You can't just learn the bad news and say, well, that's a good thing, I'm going to put that on the shelf, so whenever I need it again, I'll pull it off. No! Everything you learn... Is a part of and built on the facts and principles of the bad news. You don't ever leave that, but you come to know that that's where the foundation from which you came, you've come. So you could be, you know, thinking that we have some sort of dignity in the human race, and you know, but we should know that we are totally helpless to determine what truth is. We don't come from a position of truth. We come from a position of error, lies, darkness, unrighteousness, <laughs> depravity, if I would keep going. That's where we come from. There's no truth in that. There's nothing but darkness there. So we're in, ca- and, and then on top of that, we're incapable of determining what truth is. Don't think because who you, I know we have some pride in the human race, Everybody thinks and likes to think that they're right about things. And they like to, you know, we, we're we suckers for people telling us what we want to hear. You know, if somebody praises us or tells us something that, you know, we like to hear, it makes us feel good. You know, and that is the pride. But here, we don't know truth. Truth is... Does not originate in us in any way. It is outside of us, and that's where we talked about faith. Truth is apprehended by faith. That's the previous point. We we don't learn truth from within. You know how people um, think that some of the eastern philosophies, and uh, you know that you you have to clear your mind of everything else, and then once you do that the truth that is in you will eventually emerge because it can't because all the noise of all life and so you have to clear your mind of all that and then allow truth, the truth that is within to come out. That's not That's not it. That's not our philosophy. Our philosophy is you're dead. <laughs> you're depraved. There's nothing in man that is noteworthy. The only thing that's good for man is that grace he qualifies completely for grace which where you're helpless you're undeserving you you don't merit anything and that's what where god can apply grace to us and he does the only way we can come to the knowledge of god since this is the case humility and faith is the only way man can comprehend truth and that's roman uh, hebrews 11:6 where it talks about uh, God rewards those who diligently seek him. And that, that is after God has enlightened us. And w- once we get the taste of illumination, we should be chasing it. We should, allow, we should diligently seek out that more hum- illumination from God. So, point number four. All the truth versus dispensational ignorance. So allow God to shift his dispensational gears if he desires. The church does not have the same purpose as Israel. We shouldn't try to put old wine into new wineskins because it will only make a mess. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins, says Luke five thirty-seven and 38. Well, Many people can't understand all truth because they are ignorant or rejecting of God's changing his dispensational gears. Yeah, there are new things. Yes, we have to throw out the old and adopt the new. And we say throw out the old. We're not saying that the Old Testament is not relevant at all. What we're saying is we recognize that God His revelation and his plan is progressive and expressed through dispensational thinking. God rules over his household in various ways. Not the same way, but it progresses depending on what he is trying to uh, accomplish. And in this age, he is calling out those many sons into glory. So we don't want to be dispensationally ignorant about what God is doing. Because what God is doing is what he wants us to be focused on and uh, obedient toward. Not thinking about where somehow if we do it, if we look into the law in Israel enough, we can become like Daniel or like David or like Moses. That We will never be like them. Our call is something Totally different. We need to adopt and understand that before we move on. If you're not sure about what I mean by dispensational ignorance, you got to look at those scriptures that deal with the fact that we are in a new age. You know, I'm sure, like Paul says in Ephesians three two. I'll, I'll just read it. I don't know if I got it in the notes here, but um, let's read it. Ephesians three. 2 through 4 or something. i on. So it says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. So that word administration, if you don't like the word dispensation, you could use that word if you, you want to. That's fine. It's the same meaning. Right? It's the same meaning as dispensation. And it means how God rules over his household. Now, now he obviously ruled over his household with the nation Israel differently than he does in this age. For one thing, he says straight up, we're not under the law. Well, they were under the law. There was no doubt about it. But for now, I mean, I don't even have to say anything else. We're not under the law. God is ruling over this age in a different way. So it says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, for your benefit. That is, what is it? I don't have to guess. It's the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. And reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And here it is, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Now, if you were walking around thinking it was made known, what we're doing now was all only thing with the Old Testament concealed, but now the New Testament reveals or something corny like that, you missed it. then you 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 have not heard about the administration of God's grace because it was not revealed to anyone previous in the previous age or time. In fact, if you go to Ephesians 3 9, it says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. Now, the administration of this mystery means how God is executing this new age, which for ages past, now notice, which was kept hidden in God who created all things. So, this is the purpose of God, created all things. Well, that's why he created all things, because it was this hidden purpose, that he didn't tell anybody, says it was hidden in God. So if you are some person who loves the Old Testament, and you think that uh, reading the Bible is some sort of trivia game, if you can name the third son of J- Jacobus or something, you can give him give us the name of, of uh, uh, what Israel was the fourth king of, uh, you know, under this, or the northern kingdom, if you can recite all those things and you say, wow, I got it. You're missing the greatest thing, and that is what God is doing right now as he has uncovered the, the, the mystery, that what was hidden in his very heart, which is his according to, it is according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So you don't want to mess up here and make mistakes with dispensational ignorance you, you will never get to the all truth. The Holy Spirit will never be able to lead you. And, and we should know that this was the major problem in the early church. This is why the Jews couldn't get out of their own way. Because they were like, no, we want to keep the law. In fact, remember in Acts chapter 15, they had what we call the Jerusalem council. Where they came together. And they talked about these things. They said, well, are we going to try to make the Gentiles keep the Mosaic law? Are we not? These are believers talking. Okay? So the fact that it was even a question, God already answered that question through signs, wonders, and various miracles according to the Holy Spirit. He did it. He showed which direction he wanted to go. So dispensational ignorance will stop you from understanding all truth. It is literally resistance of the Spirit in order to maintain traditional fidelity. Point number five, relativism. So all the truth versus relativism. So the philosophy of relativism relativism simply says that truth is relative. It is not dependent on God's standards at all. It is dependent on the subject's own opinion of truth, further, relativism, uh, relativism, insists that it must respect everyone's opinion as truth. This is one of the tenets, right, uh, of relativism. You, if you criticize what somebody else believes, if you say, "Oh, wait a minute," you just said something that's objectively false then relativism says no don't that's not the way you want to say that what you want to say is uh, everyone has their own truth and for him it's true then that means it's true for him it may not be true for me but it's true for him right so truth becomes relative and there is no objective truth that we can so what what good is the spirit of truth right (laughs) he's no good When it comes to relativism, relativism came along to fight to resist the spirit of truth. So for us, we do respect. So for us, it's the word that is truth. Your word is truth, but we respect the that they have the right to believe what they want, not that it is truth, right? What they don't, uh, we don't believe what they're saying is truth, and we can say that. That's why they don't like Christians, right? Because uh, Christians like no. No, God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. No, salvation is through Jesus Christ, right? There's no under name given among men whereby we must be saved. I don't care. If you don't believe this, then you missed it, right? You, you, you're you ignorant or you rejected it. So, so we respect that they can believe whatever they want. You know what? God does too. God allows them to believe whatever they want, but not before he confronts them with what truth is they have a right to believe they, if they want to continue to believe that Christ, Jesus is not the Christ, they can uh, but we have, and we respect that, the right that they have to believe that not, not that we want that to be not that God wants that to be but we should respect it, God gives them the right to choose and that's our but we don't say that that's truth too <laughs> it's not truth that's false, according to the word so so that's what we are focused on what the word teaches it's not we're just opinionated or something we, our truth is the word is truth, that's what's true for us. your word is true, not well, you know, I've come to believe that this And Christians are relativistic in their thinking when they have taken on projects and thoughts that are not in the Word, and now they want to try to impress them upon the world that this is what we ought to be uh, thinking about. So it is your Word is truth. If it's not in the Word, if it's not there, then the Spirit of Truth is not teaching it. So it expand the word of truth is expanded and illuminated by the spirit of truth. But it is still your word is truth. So those are some things. And and I bet you can think of more. All the truth verses. You fill in the blank. I'm sure you, you have more thoughts on this. And I'd like to hear what gets in the way of truth or what has gotten in the way of truth. I, I should have just added number 6 here and i could add a sinful lifestyle why because even though you might be open toward learning what all truth is maybe you are willing to put aside your tradition tradition entertainment emotion and and you understand the bad news and and you you accept that we're in the new dispensation and you reject relativism maybe you just want to indulge your sin nature. Maybe you just want to live the high life. I know that comes from a beer commercial or something, but maybe that's what you want to do. You just want to indulge the sin nature. Well, you know what? You're making choices there. And all the truth, you are hindering the Holy Spirit from leading you into all truth. That is how he talked to Gentiles. This is not in your notes. But if you go to Ephesians chapter 4... Gentiles, God says the pastor teachers come and are given that gift so you can, you know, you can be built up and you can come to a fullness until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, and then he talks about we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the ways if we do that. Uh, but if you go down to verse 17, He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Notice the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. And however, that is not the life you learn. So notice, these are Gentile ways. Not only Gentile ways, but Gentile ways that are encouraged in their worship services. In their worship of idols and and the different gods that they worshipped at that time. That was part of their worship service and 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 how they lived and thought. that's not the life that can hinder you from coming to the full knowledge of the truth. So you should there are other things like I said you could add point number seven, eight, nine, ten, I'm sure we can talk about it. I think it's a worthy subject for us to explore because we don't the goal is for us to know all these things is so that we don't get hindered by these things. If you know now that tradition needs to be set aside, go ahead and set it aside. If you know that entertaining and music and worship styles and, and all that don't define truth, then don't look for truth in those areas. Just because it see, feels good and sounds good to you, don't mean. Don't mean God the Holy Spirit it is, that's what he's encouraging you to believe. You know, uh, Listen, Satan deceives people by false signs, wonders, and miracles. Why does he do it? To deceive those. He has a message for them when he gets their attention. And that message is to lead them astray. So you don't want to fall for none of those things. You want God, the Holy Spirit. You don't want to be a hindrance. You don't want to grieve and quench the Spirit. You want to allow him to lead and guide you into all truth. So we're moving forward. So there's three phrases. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. <coughs> Excuse me. So he will speak. He will not speak on his own. The word speak is laleo. And it means to talk or to utter words, to preach, to, to speak. <coughs> to talk, to tell, to utter, to speak forth. So when it says the Holy Holy Spirit will do this, this is, he will speak into our lives, right? He He will not speak. In other words, what he gets, his ministry will be that which speaks directly into our lives, speaks directly to us. But, He's go- there's going to be some things to note, right? That's the word speak. It means to teach, literally. Point B, on his own. Or literally, of himself, or from himself. Meaning, from his own authority. That's, so When the Holy Spirit, he will not speak on his own. What he gets, what he, a guy, guide, and guides us into this all truth, will not be words that he has come up with. Words that... Uh, Specifically, he has not apart, apart from God the Father and, and God the Son. These are words that he just wants to show his personality. No, that's not it at all. He's not speaking on his own authority. Where well, where did he get his authority from? He gets his authority from Christ. He's the one that he's trying to glorify. It's not speaking about himself or, you know, it's not about who he is. It's about glorifying Christ. So point C, he will not speak, is a metaphor for communication. In this phrase, he will not communicate or teach on his own authority or for his own purposes. That's what we should know about God the Holy Spirit. It is not about him. And where does he get his understanding? Where does he get this knowledge and wisdom It's profound, that eye is not seen, ear is not heard? He searches if we go from that scripture, he searches the mind of God and gets that. Well, who's the mind what is the mind of God? It is the mind of Christ, which we'll get to later. Okay, point D. The Spirit comes in the authority of Christ, just like Christ came in the authority of the Father. So literally as I want you to make sure you see this as you go forward. So John 6, 38. Let's look at it. John 6, 38. You probably, we have read these verses. It says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So when we look at Christ, Christ didn't come to do his own thing. It wasn't about him. right? Really, when they hate Christ, who are they really hating? They're hating the Father. So we'll go back to 5 and 30. I know that's John 5, 30. Jesus says, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. Notice it's the very same language we saw with God the Holy Spirit. It's literally like the Father sent Christ. Now the Son sends the Spirit. The Father and the Son send the Spirit. But what is happening? The Holy Spirit is saying, I'm here. But I'm not here for my own authority. From my own, I'm here to fulfill the Father's plan, fulfill the mind of Christ. Right? That is the Father's plan, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please my, myself, but Him who sent me. That those are important key scriptures to note, right? In this, uh, as we are speaking about this, and then eight forty-two, this is all in the Book of John. 842 says <clears throat> Jesus said unto them <laughs> unto them Jesus said to them if god were your father you would love me for i have come here from god i have not come on my own god sent me so so it, this is literally how we have to see christ communicating christ communicating he says, I only communicate what I hear. In other words, what I hear is what the Father has told me. All right, we'll get into that in the next phrase more. Because it even says, the next phrase is, he will speak only what he hears. But just know the authority, why the Holy Spirit is here. He's not here on his own account. He's here to project, to communicate the things that the Father has given to the Son. we'll get into all that. So point E, we, we, if we think about ourselves, we're not here for ourselves. But everything we do is to be in the authority of Christ. And we don't even pray without, in Christ's name, we pray. We're not here unless there is a Christ that we are baptized into. I mean, this is who we are, literally. We're not here in the authority of our own self. And Christ is the head, not us. Right? We, we are the body. We are under orders. He's our Lord. Right? We have to see that. The spirit of truth is not here to start his own doctrine or his own interest. And wow, a lot of people have started new doctrines based on the spirit of truth, right? The Holy Spirit. can't even call him the spirit of truth in those circles because it is not about truth at all. It is more about tradition and motion or all sorts of things, you know, they, and they can say what, what they'll say. Well, you know, God works in mysterious ways, so we don't know what he's going to do. He could do anything if I wanted to roll around on the floor and, you know, kick my legs up in the air. And if I got and you said, what in the world is he doing? If I stood up and said, well, you know, the spirit got a hold of me. I, I couldn't stop myself from doing that. But all of that is not according to what Jesus said the spirit of truth would do. But yet, it's accepted in many circles. I know this sounds extreme, right? I know. It's meant to be extreme. But I'm making the point that not anything goes with the spirit of truth. right? If he's going to be the spirit of truth, then it's not relativism. It's not what anybody thinks. It is literally according to the word, right? What is the What did Jesus say? It's, well, he's, he's got much more to tell us and more than we can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, this is what he will do, right? He will speak. He will teach. Okay, we're moving forward. So point number five, he will speak only what he hears. So he will speak about what he hears. More metaphorical language. However, the Spirit can speak if He chooses. He is God. So when I say uh, that can the Holy Spirit speak to us directly? Yes, He can. can. He audibly speak to us if He wants to. He's God, but He speaks generally through His Word. That's where He speaks. Right? He may direct us, encourage us when it comes to truth. So, 1 Timothy four one, where it comes out with that scripture now the spirit speaks expressly i'm going to turn to it first timothy four and one the spirit clearly says now king james the spirit speaks expressly speaketh expressly thus or something the spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits And things taught by demons. Uh, Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared uh, as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry. And he goes on to say some of the things that will be verbose. But what we want to say is the Spirit clearly, expressly speaks to us. It is not like... Oh this you can't really make it out it's just this faint voice right first of all we have to have the humility to look to God to look away from ourselves otherwise we're resisting the spirit if we're judging what the spirit says based on what we think is truth first we have to be open to truth and that speaks of humility It's like being a little child. Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus takes this little child and makes an analogy. He says, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is like this child. And the humility that a child has. The child does not know. And that's the truth. The child does not know. Guess who else doesn't know? We don't. We don't have a clue about where the Spirit is teaching us. What a perfect analogy, because we don't know, and that child doesn't know. So when the child listens to God, he doesn't have any past experiences to throw away. He is just sitting there learning like a sponge. Wow. Oh, so there's a jolly green giant. That's why their imaginations can go even to anything you tell a child. Of course, eventually he'll get enough information to overcome that and to realize that Santa Claus is not real and hopefully I haven't bursting anybody's bubble here, but that some of these things are not true. And they'll understand that, but at first, the child, he doesn't have any airs to put on, he doesn't have any, he just wants to know, purely from the motive of, I want to know. And there's, there's what Jesus is saying, it's just like this little child here. That's, what he's looked, what's, what, that's what God looks for when he wants to express truth to us through the spirit of truth. It's clear. It's not this faint, well, let me pray about it. And if I get a feeling, then, then maybe it's true. That's not it. What you need to do is that instead of praying about it, is read the scriptures about it. <laughs> and I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to That instead of when presented with some truth from the word, instead of them trying to confirm it by reading the scriptures, guess what they do? They want to pray about it. Like, what's going to happen if you pray? What, what, What kind of feeling are you going to get if you pray? What you should get is, you should come to the knowledge of the truth through the spirit of truth and allow thy word to be truth. You need to go do Bible study, not sit around in prayer and wait for some impression to, to, to strike you. It's not the thought. Prayer is not for that purpose. So, anyway, let's continue on. So, uh, he will speak only what he hears. Point B, what he hears. What he hears from Jesus. Right? So, that's where the Spirit is getting the information. Obviously, uh, we know that because of the context. He will glorify me from, this is verse 14, for he will take from, he will receive uh, what he will make known. He, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Spirit, when he talks about it, he's not coming on his own, he's not coming on his, own, on his own authority, verse 14 kind of clears it all up where he does get the information he communicates this all tr- all the truth that we talked about that's coming to the disciples. So what he hears, uh, he can only do what he sees. And this is um, point B. This is literally the same thing that happened to Jesus, right? Jesus says in John five nineteen through 23, he can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So, all the authority, all whatever Christ says, literally comes from what the father has authorized him to say, told him to say. And there's we could read there's a lot we have covered a lot of this already, but so so point C the Spirit has been given. has been given the authority to speak and and what do we mean speak, communicate, teach for or on behalf of Christ. Remember Christ says, I'm going to go away but I'm going to send another just like me to come to you and to teach you. He will teach you all things and so forth. Just like Christ was speaking for the Father, literally. Literally. And this is how Christ <clears throat> understood that when he was here. He clearly said, I'm not here on my own. I'm... So John 12 and 49. Let's look at some of these verses that we have read already. But just to remind us, John 12:49. Literally it says, for I did not speak on my own. But the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. There it is. I mean, what the Spirit has been given Is not something unique, different. It is what Christ has to give us. The much more that information that we couldn't bear, but now He's able to give it to us through the means of the Spirit of Truth. It's not anything to do with emotion, not necessarily. Our emotions can respond to truth, but it is not about emotion. It is about truth. So, and then 14.24, which is the scripture you should be familiar with, very familiar. It's, Christ says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So literally, Christ is just coming right out and telling you the very source of the information that he's teaching and he, he's not even saying, he says, I, I don't even make up the words. I got these words from the Father. That's why I'm, the words are literally, the words I'm telling you are not my own words. The Father gave me these words to tell you, and I'm transmitting them just as the Father has told me. So you should know that. Christ did that. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is teaching literally the mind of Christ. That's exactly what the Spirit is doing for us he's telling us exactly what Christ is saying literally we're in communication with the mind of Christ not the mind of the Spirit so point D in this way Christ continues to communicate and teach the disciples that just like he says I got much more to tell you and he's getting to tell them that much more it is from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. That's verse 14. And that's literally what happens when the Spirit teaches us. He takes from what is Christ, and he lit- he makes all that information available. He communicates it to us. Point E. As the Spirit of truth leads and guides us, it is Christ who is in control of the church. Just like he says, on this rock I will build my church that's Matthew 16:18 Christ is saying I'm I'm in control I'm doing this it is not the spirit building the church it is literally Christ building the church what about the spirit he's not here of his own he's not here on his own authority he's not here to build the church he is working under Christ under the authority of Christ to build the church it's the authority of Christ that builds the church not anything that the spirit does <clears throat> i'm not saying the spirit is not capable but he comes in humility to the person of christ and these words are telling us just that point f we have the mind of christ first corinthians two sixteen, but it comes to us only through the spirit of truth so we know it works backwards right Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, but we, who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 2.16. And that's what the Spirit reveals, the deep things of God. No man knows the thoughts of, 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 of God, except the Spirit of God. All of those things in the context are a part of the mind of Christ, the deep things of God, the mystery, all that's related to that chapter. And that is, the only way we're going to get those things is through the spirit of truth. It's not some research or anything else. No other way to get it. Point G. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom. But words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritually, spiritual realities with Spirit taught words. That's 1 Corinthians 2.13. That's how we have the mind of Christ. It is through the ministry of the Spirit. It is not about human wisdom. Human wisdom may be praised in many circles, but not here. It is spiritual understanding it comes from the ministry of the Spirit. We have to be careful about uh, saying things are spiritual because spiritual, for some, means some sort of innate, uh, etherical way of seeing things. We have to explain what we mean with spirit taught words, and that comes from the word of word is of truth. So not just how we feel or some impressions, even no matter how strong it is. All of that needs to be resisted and we need to focus our attention on your word is true right so in this last phrase we will finish and he will tell you what is yet to come and he will tell you so that's more language of accommodation meaning he will teach us and and it'll be uh, Christ will tell us he will tell you through when I say us, tell you us, that means he's talking to the disciples. And when he says he will tell you, he's talking literally to the disciples, but he's talking through the disciples to us, through him. Through who? And that's the Holy Spirit. He will tell you what is yet to come. Yeah. And when he tells them what is yet to come, he's not making it up. He's getting it from Christ. Christ is Lord and he's the one who uh, the Holy Spirit takes from point B what is yet to come that is the future and it's not like a fortune teller but what it is is what is yet to come is related to the father's eternal purpose so a lot of people think what is yet to come oh well who will I marry or uh, give me the, the the lotto number or Oh, so you can tell the future, so then tell me what's going to benefit me. Or, or I love that, right? That's what fortune tellers, people who are, uh, you know, soothsayers and all that. People want to read your palms. They want to tell you the future, but, but it's all related to you. None of it's related to the Father's plan. The Holy Spirit is not coming for that. And people take that, They're like, oh, yeah, he will tell you what is yet to come. So should I go across the street? Should I be on the south side or the east side? What should I do? That is not the leading of God, the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth is is leading and guiding you into all truth about the Father's eternal purpose. According to his eternal purpose, which he has accomplished in Christ Jesus. He's not talking about those details that are related to things that are... uh, in your sin, you know, what your sin nature is desiring. It's about the Father's eternal purpose. And you will find that people think they have some sort of gift of prophecy. Oh, God told me to tell you that you're going to be great. And you have to let your light shine, or whatever they say. They don't have no future to tell you. All that stuff you can read in the Bible about what God has for us. Don't look to some pro- prophets telling you something that's supposed to motivate you. God has all the motivation you could possibly ever need contained right there in the Word for us. The Word, Thy Word, is true. That's what we are to be set apart unto, not what somebody said. Somebody said a prophecy over me, and ever since then I've been working toward that goal. I'm going to get my own business, and then I'm going to be great. That's not, that's not anything what God, the Holy Spirit, has come to reveal. Not at all. Where's that in the context? It's not there. He's talking about point C, like the Old Testament revelation, which foretold future events. God did this in the Old Testament as they related to Israel, right? He's going to point D. He's going to complete the canon of Scripture including the revelation of the mystery from Christ through the spirit of truth. So God has more to say, even about what will happen in the future. Not only that, is once we understand the mystery, we're going to be able to be in a position to look back and orient and adjust all the scriptures that we didn't understand to what God's eternal purpose is. And we're going to also look forward to the future and see how things are going, God is going to reconcile all things in Christ and under one head, even Christ. So this is just like Christ said in point E, so I think this is our last point. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. And we have much more information, and that is from Christ. We do have this more information. That's what we should be focused on with the Spirit of Truth, allowing him to teach us about these, this new information, this much more information. What is it? All the truth. We will have to stop at this point. We'll continue next week, but hopefully I've established some things here that we are now getting a picture of how the Holy Spirit works, what He will do, uh, how we can recognize the Spirit of Truth in our lives. And it's important that we do, we dismiss all of the things that are really distractions in the first place, and that we focus our attention on what the Spirit of Truth does teach us about our spiritual lives, this new spiritual life that he was introducing to the apostles and that we were born into when we were born again in Christ in this age. So we will continue. All of it right here is contained in the context. As we go forward, we will continue to learn more. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for your progressive revelation that has been afforded us in this age. There was no way that we could know the things that were freely given to us if we do not submit ourselves in humility to the the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this provision, and we know that in Christ it is your objective to grow us up so that we can reach the fullness and stature of Christ. We want to be the kind of worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. And we want to hear the voice of the Spirit as he communicates to this church. We pray for each person associated with this ministry and for those who are not, who may just hear this message and understand that we are coming from your word is truth. So we pray for each of us. We're praying for that you would watch over uh, us as we can continue our mission here as long as you would have us. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen.